The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 120 with guests Sanjay Parasarathy and Tom Robbins, recorded live Friday, July 1st, 2005. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet and ASPNet classes remotely online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for ASPNet development, online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine the leading independent magazine for .NET developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who wants to build a recording studio on the Supreme Court's front lawn, that's okay, right? Carl Franklin! little digital blood, without any pain. How you guys doing? This is Carl Franklin. You're listening to another stellar episode of .NET Rocks. And we're coming to you from the East Coast of the United States of America and simultaneously on the West Coast of the United States of Canada, Richard Campbell. <laughs> now, now. How are you doing? It's the 138th <laughs> anniversary of Confederation. It's Canada yeah. Day. It is. And this is essentially July 4th for Can- Canadians. That's for right. Any of those non-Canadians out there. So we were down uh, down at the parks. Uh, lots of fun and uh, carrying it on. There'll be fireworks tonight. It's just like July 4. So is it a coincidence that they happened within three or four days of each other? Well, or? And, and not surprising that the Canadians came first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, give or take 100 <laughs> years. So maybe people didn't know this, but Thomas Jefferson was actually a Canadian, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, in a complicated way. Yeah. Okay. The part where Canada didn't exist yet is a separate issue. <laughs> How you been? I've been good. It's, it's nice to be home. And, uh, you know, the conference fury of the spring is finally over. And I'm straightening out the office bit by bit. Got all my gear running for a change. So, mm-hmm. you know, all in mm-hmm. all, it's pretty good. Well, that's good. I know you've been working hard. I've been doing the same. I'm working on uh, getting some videos for my training classes together. We, we actually uh, record the classes now, and, and uh, we're going to be offering them on DVD for the people who attend the class. Kind of a nice little thing. So I've been working with that with that uh, goal in mind all week. I know you're gearing anyway, up to, uh, to do Studio 2005 stuff now, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. We're going to have a couple of classes, one just for VB6 developers, and uh, then another one for experience.net developers, you know, sort of an advanced class, which I'm really looking forward to because I sort of roll everything that I can into one week right now. And sometimes we get more advanced people who are yawning the first day, et cetera. But, you know, as a, as a sort of a, a, a warm-up to this email that we got from Brian Nance, he sent us this heads up. He said, Carl and Richard... I don't know if you've seen this yet. I'm sure you have, but you may want to mention this free book from Microsoft Press called Introducing Visual Basic 2005 for Developers. And I've shrinksterized it at shrinkster.com slash 6EM. And essentially, it's a free book that Microsoft is offering online all about, uh, you know, from VB6 to VB2005. That's great. He says, although I prefer C Sharp, as a consultant, I have to use both languages regularly. But I find it interesting that Microsoft doesn't give this kind of stuff away for C-sharp. I think they know they have much more of a VBNet audience. 
And uh, that's that's pretty pretty telling. Hey, I also got some other email this week. Uh, this one is from uh, Bill Ayers from Flow Simulation Limited in Sheffield, England. This is great. He says, hi, guys. I've been listening to .NET Rocks for a few weeks now, downloading old episodes to my pocket PC. Then when I go out on the bike, I hook up and listen to the show. Excellent. Your shows, yeah, your shows typically last for an hour and 50 minutes. Hour and 50 minutes. He's listening to the old ones. Right, right. That's quite a long time, but I'm so engrossed. I just have to keep cycling, and now I find I'm subconsciously planning routes that take about an hour and 50 minutes. That's a, that's a lot more cycling than I did in the dark days before I discovered the joys of your show. The result is that I have now lost six pounds. Thank you, Totnet Rocks. That's Regards awesome. Yes, it's the Totnet Rocks diet plan. That's there right. you go. And Boy, I, is he going to be choked when he finds out we went back to an hour-long show? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Plus, I don't think he's ever seen a picture of me from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the spokesperson for the DNR diet. Well, anyway, no. I, I also, uh, Class Melbourne wrote us with this response to a call for flames. If you remember, Richard, we uh, we made a, a statement a couple shows ago that, you know, we never get any flames. Well, all we get is praise. So if anybody's yeah, got yeah. any creative uh flames they could send us why do do so well, and i keep expecting to be called a nazi that's the basic measure of a flame isn't it <laughs> when is that coming i don't know i've never been called a nazi there you go well anyway this guy says carl i'm a big fan but i just heard show number 116 where you encourage us to send you more flames here goes it's pretty obvious that net is the microsoft response to the java craze c sharp builds on a lot of java ideas but generally solves them better all right, so already he's sort of losing points in the flame department, right? You know? Yeah. I've always had the following conspiracy theory concerning .NET. I imagine one thing Microsoft architects and public relations people were probably thinking when creating .NET was this. Um, first of all, the public relations people didn't create .NET. But yeah, we have I'm trying to imagine the relationship between .NET <laughs> guys and arch architects and PR guys. That's kind of confusing. Well, anyway, he says, we have come up with something that sounds good when Java proponents put forth the one language will bind them all argument, which seems to be very compelling to a lot of people. Quote, we'll just learn one language and then apply it everywhere. End quote. So we make a programming framework based on pseudocode IL, but explicitly make it support several languages. So there. Now you can use one framework in any language that you are comfortable with. Actually, that's very true. However, if you look at this statement a bit closer, most .NET languages are very similar. The best example of this is C Sharp and VBNet. I've never encountered any other two programming languages that are so similar. The differences are almost exclusively superficial. As an added bonus for Microsoft, a pseudo-battle has been created, C Sharp versus VBNet. This creates a diversion from the real war, that between Java and .NET, which is tr a truly interesting one. I personally think that .NET is currently ahead, but that race is the one you should be reporting about, not this silly sandbox banner X, uh, banter, X is better than .NET programming language than Y. Thanks for an otherwise great show. Class Melbourne, .NET consultant. Class, good points. Sorry, but not much of a flame, but <laughs> really good points. And thanks. <laughs> And I mean, and it's absolutely true that ultimately that would be the largest argument. But yeah. at the same time, you know, as a guy who works on all the different sides of this field, everybody's building code and, and what language you use doesn't define whether you're going to succeed or not. True. Uh, and one of the reasons that .NET languages are so similar is they're all talking to the same framework in the end. And it really doesn't matter what language you program in. You're working against the framework. Only for the purposes of how you like to program and how you're most productive. Do curly braces make you happy? I have a language for you. There you go. So with that uh, useless banter out of the way, Richard, let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guest, Sanjay Parthasarathy. Uh, Sanjay, as a corporate vice president of the developer and platform evangelism group at Microsoft, his focus is on evangelism of the Microsoft platform, including .NET, to developers, IT professionals, architects, and ISVs. His team also manages Microsoft's relationships with key ISV partners, including SAP, AG, Cybel Systems, and Dassault Systems. 
And also on the line joining us this week is Tom Robbins, the developer evangelist for the New England District. Hi, Tom. Hi, hey, Sanjay. Paul. Hi there. And thank you for for uh, coming on the show. Now, I just got to say that uh, Tom, sort you sort of set this up as a, a great a great interview, and I can't wait to to do this. And I, thank you very much for bringing Sanjay to our show. And uh, it was a great idea. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> Tom, you're kind of low today. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Absolutely, Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you must have been doing email, right? right. Yes, I was. As a matter of fact, <laughs> okay. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. Put down that PDA and get back to work. <laughs> and Sanjay, you are the guy in evangelism at Microsoft, right? I mean, let's not mince words here. You're the guy. Um, I don't know. I think Vic Gondotra would be unhappy to hear that. Okay. He's kind of the <laughs> master evangelist. But, yeah, yeah Vic and I, Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll live. All right. Yeah, I guess that's the only problem that you have there with, with you know, heaping that kind of praise on one person is because somebody's going to get upset. But yeah. But you're, you're up there at the top of the evangelism food chain. And so this, I think this is great because, as you know, you know, this show and what we do as regional directors is all about evangelism. But we never, at least I never stopped to think about what life was like at Microsoft before evangelism. I mean, you didn't always have this philosophy, right? Well, we've had it on and off, which is kind of weird. Um, I actually joined Microsoft as an evangelist 15 years ago in the Windows team. And, you know, there were about half a dozen people who claimed they were the first evangelist at Microsoft, and I'm one of them. Um, and then, you know, out of that grew DRG, Developer Relations Group, and mm-hmm. then that went away. And then we had um, another five-year period um, where we had a group called the Application Developer Customer Unit, go figure, mm-hmm. uh, who were also evangelists. And then that went away. And uh, DP really started uh, on April 1st, uh, 2000, you know, talking yeah. about cruel jokes. Right, with... with Auspicious date. Yeah. <laughs> And that was about the time that .NET was getting ramped up, right? Yeah, actually, that uh, that summer, um, I think June, July, was Forum 2000 when we rolled out, we announced .NET. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so um, you know, and that it, it was it was uh, it was just a couple of people, you know, in April, May, um, Charles Fitzgerald, myself, the Gundotra, and now we're about 1,200 people worldwide, um, which is. Nice. <laughs> let's, let's, let's say. Yeah. It's really nice. And Tom, you're part of this group as well, but you're out in the field. You're, you're local to New England. That's correct. Yep. I'm the local person here in New England. And it's interesting because I'm actually part of an East Region team that covers the East Coast of the United States. There's, I think there's six of us on the East Coast now. Yeah. And uh, New England, a pretty, which is my district, is also a very active district, isn't it? In the uh, in the big scheme of the United States, absolutely. Yeah, we're the number one. Did you know that, Carl? Well, I wanted to hear you say it. You know, okay. Yeah, we can if we can say that we are the number one. We Not- have, uh, if I can brag a little bit, we we've got probably one of the most active communities in the world, um, and it really is. You know, not me. It's it's guys like you and and people like Patrick and and the group itself. Patrick Hines, that, yeah, that really bring it together. Yeah. So I I got this book as a regional director as a gift from Eileen Crane, who ran the regional director uh, uh, program a couple of years ago, or I guess it was just last year. She was running it, and uh, it was a an evangelism book about, you know, the whole philosophy behind it. It wasn't written by people at Microsoft. It was written by a a a, a couple. I think they were a couple. Mm-hmm. Do you know the book I'm talking about, Sanjay? Yep, I do. And uh, essentially the tagline of the book was, you know, uh, using the power of the excitement around your your products and your brand to to drive enthusiasm and sales, and, and not just sales, but but information. I mean, evangelism is just as much about getting information out in the hands of your customers so that they can use your products better than it is uh, about sales, right? I don't think it's all at all about sales, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the fundamental distinction between evangelists and, and you know, sales and marketing people. Um, you know, they're not quoted. And, 
you know, I think that is that is so important because it, it, not having a quota basically lets them do the right thing. And you know, it's 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 a cliche, just doing the right thing. But it's amazing how that how how you know how much that impacts you know how the day to day behavior of an evangelist is. Um, you know, they they end up helping customers out without a thought for you know if there's going to be revenue at the end of that. Right. And uh, you know about what two years ago we didn't have that built into uh, built into the systems here. So you know the evangelists were in the sales sales function and the marketing function. Some of them were quoted, some of them were not. And yeah. about eighteen months ago, I basically just put my foot down and said no quotas, any evangelists. And that's great. you know we've created a whole job function now in Microsoft. I don't know if that's good or bad, um, which is called evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I the think, measure of a uh, successful evangelist is his ability to reach people rather than to sell them boxes. Correct. It's yeah. to talk about issues, and it's to reach people. Yeah, and the right. issues should be issues that matter to people, and not just about Microsoft issues, not just about Microsoft technology. If it matters um, that you know we, we talk about uh, Java, then we will. If it matters that we talk about Ajax, then we will. If it matters that we right. talk about Linux, then we should. So if a sale isn't the goal of an evangelist, what is the goal? Ah, um, I, think, I think there is, ultimately there is a goal, um, and the way we measure the success of an evangelist is over, over uh, an extended period of time, we measure platform adoption, uh, we measure satisfaction, mm-hmm. and we measure perception. Mm-hmm. And we've, you know, believe it or not, we've actually got systematic measurements of that now every year, every half year. So we track that. Hmm. I mean, there's an interesting point to make about technology. I've spent time in the sales side of the business, and my selling style was very much an evangelistic style. It was if you understand what it is I'm selling, you're going to want it. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you really can get a handle on how this will solve your problems, you're going the sales is the easy part. It's the understanding that's the hard part. Sure. Yeah. It, frankly, the best some of the best salespeople are also some of the best evangelists, exactly for that reason. Hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately, the 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 when you have a large sales force, a lot of people don't understand that. And then you know no, the, and, the the carrots kick in, which is the quotas kick in. Yeah, when you build a system that's based around the success of licenses sold, you're going to you know foster that behavior. It's inevitable. Right. And so, what is the what is the net effect on customers, you know, of a successful evangelism campaign? The net effect, I mean, it, it, we've seen satisfaction go up, you know, 20, 30 points now in the last, in, in, you know, during the life of DPE. Um, you know, it just went up another six points in the last six months. Um, so we're definitely seeing that move up. You know, people are just saying, you know, simple things like, oh, you're human after all. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's important because um, one of the goals of evangelism is to drive transparency and to drive, you know, relationships even. Sure. Um, so we've seen that. Adoption, of course, I mean, .NET's gone from zero, you know, March of 2002 to roughly 45% worldwide. Yeah. Right? So we've seen that improve. Our server and tools business is growing at about, you know, 18 20%. So apparently it actually also drives revenue. Um, although we're not quoted on that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, things like Channel 9, if you're familiar with that, sure, sure. really do yeah. drive a change in perception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we're seeing lot, lots more people engage with us on the issues as opposed to, uh, you know, just stay away from the big, bad Microsoft. Yeah. And this is another sign of evangelism, which is more of a PR type thing that, uh, well, let's face it, Microsoft had a problem with its perception for some time. And uh, I think evangelism has really turned that around in the sense that, uh, you know, showing them that we're people, that we're doing this kind of work, and and uh, that it's hard, and not always a simple thing to do, and not always a straight line, uh, really has gone a long way to making people perceive Microsoft differently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think fundamentally, you know, evangelists put a face on Microsoft, um, and it's much harder to, <laughs> well, I'll say, quote, unquote, hate someone if you know them. Sure. Um, know know what they think, know how they feel, know what they care about, know who they are, and, um, and it's about- and it's not it's not intended to be Machiavellian or anything like that. It's just it's you know we we care, right? <laughs> it's simple.
with that. And this is really about putting the real face of Microsoft in front of people rather than that perceived monster. Well, and what you're really doing, though, is, you, you know, in many ways is you're disseminating the technical information that your customers need to use your product effectively. I mean, let's not forget it's not just about, you know, evangelism. When you think of the word, you think, uh, you know, everybody, you know, bow to the bow to bow to Microsoft now and isn't Microsoft great and sort of like a Barney-esque kind of blind faith. But, uh, you know, it's about here are the issues that we're facing, right? Here are the issues we're facing internally with with this particular issue. You know, we want to... You know, here's how you can work around it, or maybe it's not even an issue. Maybe it's a technology. Here's how to use this technology, the best practices, the patterns, all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, it, uh, the word evangelism almost is is uh, I don't know. It, it's appropriate because it's all about generating excitement, but you do that by by giving real content. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think the the I found that. Um, the what is very important, and the how is also very important. Yeah. But the best evangelists are the ones who clearly communicate why. Yes. Yeah. And that—that that is the amazing piece. If an yeah. evangelist can put together the how and the what along with the why, they're they're killer. There's uh, you know, the problem, of course, is that everybody on the phone right now, everybody in this call, are all evangelists. We all do this work. And, and, of course, are excited about it and thrilled to talk to you as well, Sanjay, about this stuff. I'm sure, you know, you've talked to a lot of evangelists, and we're, we're a couple of them, and, and Tom, too. But, I, I mean, I work with a lot of regular developers in a lot of different teams, and, and some of them have the idea they want to be evangelists per se. And I, and I try to explain to them, it's a totally different job. It's a different view on doing things. If you like your development work, evangelism is a different kind of work. I'm very into talking to people. That's what's fun for me. Uh, that may not be fun for you, but I do encourage them to work on their communication skills inside of their business. And I don't know what uh, particular interests you have on the, those lines, but for the regular everyday developer, I think there's some value in evangelism. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, this is about evangelism can be one, about one of two things or both. Those, those are the best ones. It could be about the relationship. And I think a lot of extroverts um, tend to go towards that, that side of things. But it could also be about the issues, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of introverts care deeply about lots of issues. Mm. And, you know, if you care deeply about either people or issues, it will make you a good evangelist. Now, thankfully, in, you know, for those, who are, uh, those of us who are introverts, I'm one, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> there are a lot more vehicles to get your, your issues and your thoughts across that doesn't require standing in front of people. You know, you can blog, you can, um, you can, you can email, you can, you can write, you know, interesting books or documents. So um, I think uh, if you care about something, um, then you should care about it deeply enough to actually talk about it and evangelize it. Yeah. One of my uh, friends, uh, who's very much an introvert and a very talented developer, worked for uh, Electronic Arts up here in, uh, in Canada, and, uh, and he cared very deeply about a particular area of technology, and I encouraged him to write about it, to just write a paper, his, all of his thoughts around that area, uh, because it made it permanent. It wasn't just him talking anymore, but it was something that could circulate within the business. And I think it really changed his career inside of the company to have that kind of written word about how things ought to work. Right. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think what it, what, um, what it, the reason every developer should think about what they care about is because they can have a broader impact. Exactly. And who in this world doesn't want to have a broader impact? Sure. Sure, more influence. It doesn't have to be over the radio or in front of an audience of, uh, of thousands, right. but uh, just a good blog or, or a well-crafted document. You could be sitting behind a microphone in New London, Connecticut, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. <laughs> The kind of place where all they do is take people's land. They're on the edge of nowhere, actually. But, you know, it's interesting because the, the idea is to create a voice, right? You want to mm-hmm. create a voice, have the community understand your voice. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it, it also gets into how you look at, you know, political issues as well. And technology and, you know, it becomes something that you really feel passionate about. And that's really what evangelism is, don't you think? Right. Yeah. So how does this all uh, wrap into .NET 2.0? What's uh, going on in evangelism with the upcoming launch? 
Um, there's, we come at it from a couple of different angles. Um, one is we've got to get people ready. Um, you know, uh, if we throw a big party and nobody came to it, that wouldn't be too good. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a bunch of folks who are just working with customers and with ISVs and partners um, to make sure that we have good examples um, at launch. Um, then we have a bunch of folks who are talking to, to more of the business um, business people, the CXOs, really making sure they understand what's coming down the pipe and why it's important. Um, and it, you know, you're not going to you're not going to see um, anything of that at launch, really. But that's kind of the way that builds over the next three years. Um, and then we do we do programmatic things like Channel Nine, where we um, where we really just talk about um, you know the what and the why and the how. Yeah. Um, so come at it from these three three different um, three different directions, and I think we're actually in good shape for launch. I feel really good about it. So now, besides the the uh, Channel Nine and obviously the Regional Director Program, what are all the other types of influentials that uh, that you preside over? At if that's the <laughs> word, <laughs> preside is actually it, it's not a word that I use a lot. Um, How about heard? Heard, yeah. Heard is a good word. <laughs> you can never herd people, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much we try, they just they they don't they don't do what we want. It's like trying to mark. Dunn I can't even herd my own employees, let alone influentials. Uh, so when you figure that out, let me know. Um, who do I care about? I care about. Um, I care about you know obviously the MVPs and the regional directors um, who are generally more technical. Um, in the same bucket, I put you know um, architects, um, architects, um, you know d- those who do application architecture, systems mm-hmm. architecture, mm-hmm. infrastructure architecture, but they're generally more technical. I also think you, I care about um, influentials that don't understand or don't care about technology, and they're much more interested in the why of technology. Why should I do this? Mm. Um, and so uh, I care about you know the CIOs and CXOs. Um, who get it? Um, I care about people, the, the blogging influentials, which is a whole new community that's that's um, sprung up. Yeah, and kind of Scoble's kind of an epitome of that. Sure. Um, I also um, I also care about influentials in the ISV space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a short list of um influ- influentials and and the reason I, I i say ISVs is there are a, a small number of very impactful companies in the ISV space where if one if they do something everybody else follows you know SAP is an example of that Deso systems is an example of that big software the kind of stuff that big companies need i mean this is the stuff that microsoft runs internally yeah yeah big software but also small software i mean when when ray ozzy um was doing groove he wasn't the big software i mean he was a big name obviously but he was an influential that we consciously went out and spent time with and developed and eventually ended up being an acquisition but before that i mean he was not he was somebody you know who was not an rd not an mvp not an arch. Well, I guess you could call him an architect, but he was an influential ISV. Right, and, and a very a remarkable piece of software really shaped an industry and mm-hmm. and changed the way we looked at a lot of stuff. Right. What uh, What are some of your favorite online resources that you personally use? Oh, I I had a feeling you might ask me ask me about that. I'm a gadget freak. Oh, no kidding. Oh. You're in good company, let me tell you. Yeah, totally gadget freak. Uh, I spend my spare time with my kids, of course, my wife, and and with gadgets. Awesome. Um, so in gadget, Gizmodo, I mean, I spend way too much time on that. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I also learn a lot from there. Uh, so those those would be the top of my list. What uh, what what kind of gadgets are your? You know, oh. Richard's uh, nickname is the Toy Boy. Oh. I don't know if you know this. You want to you want to turn this into a gadget show? Okay. Uh, you know, well, we, I'm willing to go there if you want to <laughs> go. <laughs> okay, so anything anything any anything in audio, I got. Yeah, uh, oh, I like yeah. audio. So um, you know, MP3 players of all kinds. We've got about two dozen of those. Um, they, uh, yes, I have iPods. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong uh, with that. <laughs> uh, Go with one Video works. gear, I'm just starting to get into. 
uh, you know, I've done some um, some editing, but really not into it as much as audio. I do my yeah. own uh, mixtapes or mix CDs. Um, cool. I hand them out to to folks. I handed one out yesterday. Um, awesome. And I've got uh, you know the the Ascent Fireball type things. Uh, which Fireball? Ascent Fireball. The the controllers that control these jukeboxes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have them both cool. for audio and video. Um, I got those Roku things strung up around the house. Yeah, I've got a. I I just picked up a sound bridge. Yeah, it's really really good. Yeah, I just love the form factor on it. It's beautiful. It's a, just a little cylinder. That's all it is. It's brilliant. Now the one I've got my eye on, which they just started selling, is this thing called a Slingbox. Have you seen that? Uh, no. Slingbox. Okay, so just as time shifting um, works for you know um, TiVo and those kinds of things, this thing is called place shifting. So you could actually record something, video, at home on your TiVo or on your PC, and you can access that video from anywhere in the world. Oh yeah. When yeah. you're traveling, you can if you if you if you if you recorded your favorite football game or an episode, right? You can just tap into it remotely. Uh, get this, one of the uh, regional directors, Clemens Vasquez. Clemens. Yeah, yeah, were you going to say this, Richard? That's exactly what I was going to say. He was at yeah. TechEd with his laptop <laughs> watching local TV stream through the internet from the floor at TechEd. Yep. <laughs> we and, like, this, and this Slingbox well, thing, 250 bucks, right? I've had my eye on it for a while. It just went on sale two days ago, this week, at Best Buy. And yep. I'm, I'm sounding like a commercial for these guys, but well, that's, that's cool. I'm an evangelist now. Okay? That's right, right. <laughs> I evangelize other people's products, too. Forms development should definitely check out Telerik RAD RAD Control Suite, the UI essentials for rapid ASP.NET development online at www.telerik.com, T E L E R I K.com, their new sponsor. And uh, we've taken their tools for a test drive here and we like what we see. This indispensable collection of components cover the major aspects of most web applications. From the CMS Backbone and the WYSIWYG Editor to Navigation, Content Rotation, and Charting. Telerik has just released version Q1 2005 of the RAD Control Suite, which features new major versions of their Tree View, Panel Bar, and Charting components. The company has been prominent for frequent releases, so you can expect something new every month. RAD Controls is not merely a collection of ordinary controls, but rather a value set of products, many of which are market leaders in their respective categories. They've received a number of industry awards and recognitions. Moreover, as of June 2004, a modified version of their flagship control, the HTML content editor called RAD Editor, has been made available by Microsoft as a replacement of the default HTML placeholder in Microsoft Content Management Server 2002. All the individual controls can also be purchased separately. If you only need navigation components, for example, you can opt in for the subset called RAD Navigation Suite. A subscription option is also available, which entitles you to new products and free updates for one year. So you should definitely check them out. Telerik RAD Control Suite Q1 2005 for ASP.NET at com. Well, that's good stuff. What I know, I'm a you know I'm a musician and an audio guy as well. 
And uh, I'm, I'm curious as to like what sort of music you like. Anything. Right now, my my favorite mixtapes have this hip-hop bhangra kind of mix. Cool. Um, so right now, it's the, it's the bhangra stuff, which is kind of this Indian, Indian music to a beat. Do you know about this Buddha bar stuff that Richard uh, knows about? Oh. Absolutely. I've got every one of the Buddha bar CDs. <laughs> In fact, if you want to get more of the Buddha bar CDs, you've got to search under Claude Shaw. Huh. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, no, no, Buddha Bar is good. Hotel Cost is good. Yeah, yeah um, I've got all the uh, Hotel Cost stuff now as well. He, that guy's very talented, Stefan. Yeah, Stefan Pompunyak. Yeah. And what about, uh, have you heard John Schofield? John Schofield um, band? He's a yes, guitar player. Why, why does that ring a bell? Well, he's I, a guitar I, player. I, I can't say authoritatively yes. He's a guitar player. Went to Berklee School of Music. I I spent a year there too myself. But he uh, he was before me. He grew up in Connecticut, and uh, he plays real bluesy, tasty, funky stuff. And now he's like into hip hop and uh, acid jazz. I guess you would call it. He's got mm-hmm. a real hot band. And uh, anyway, I thought if you like that kind of stuff, you'd like it. But. Uh, uh, you know, just a couple more things about you before we get back to uh, evangelism. Yeah, you know, you've been in the company 15 years, and really we've talked about the last five if we've been talking about evangelism. Right. But, I mean, you started out at the in the Indian offices? Actually, no. I started off um, in, in Redmond, actually, as an evangelist for Windows. Um, this was before Windows 3.1. I was, uh, you know, in the in the dark days when you had no audio video. Um, I was evangelist <laughs> for the multimedia PC. I was working with game companies. Um, so I did that for two years. Then then I went off. Uh, I, I was a true believer in interactive TV. So I went off into yeah. research um, to do that and emerged about three years later um, when, when the Internet uh, tidal wave memo hit. I ended up uh, managing the commerce server, uh, and I hate to say this, the security part of IE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> okay, I'll say that softly. And we can, you know, I told you we can edit, right? Um, <laughs> so help shift IE3, um, and, uh, and then I went off to India for a couple of years because I wanted to kind of get experience in the field. So I'd been a product guy before that and an evangelist. And then I came back and ran Microsoft.com for a couple of years on the IT, uh, sales, and, sales and marketing IT side of the business, which is kind of where I stumbled on XML and web services. And, you know, it was the only way I could solve a lot of IT problems, which is why I became an evangelist for web services and then .NET. Hey, Sanjay, what are some of the challenges that you've had to uh, overcome in your, you know, your vision about uh, evangelism and how? How you think it should uh, work? In in the um, say, say it again. Well, what are some of the challenges that uh, you've had to overcome? You know, in 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 sort of crafting your vision about evangelism at Microsoft. Um, you know, we've been lucky. I mean, I think um, Steve and Bill both get evangelism. Um, yeah. So I we act, I actually started DPE when I was reporting into Steve, uh, which I did for about two years. And so Steve basically said, here, take, take 500 people, go do what you want with them. Yeah. So the start was very easy. Um, the hardest part has been um, to get the 55,000 employees at Microsoft to understand what evangelists do. And, um, you know, the results are not, I mean, these guys are not marketing people. They're not yeah. salespeople. They're not building product, really? Right. So what do you do, I mean, other than have fun? Right. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of, I wouldn't call it resistance, but just a lot of, you know, what do you guys do again? And you're getting in my way, you know, can you just keep out of the way kind of stuff? And over five years, we've just kind of proven our point. We've just kind of proven that we can drive more satisfaction, drive more sales. And I think patience is not one of my virtues. Yeah, that's been the hard part. Mm-hmm. When you know something's right, but you have to bring fifty-five thousand people up to the same level. Yeah. Ah, oh, sometimes I get mad. Yeah. And, and and Tom 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 is actually one is you know one of those guys who helped me get really frustrated a year and a half ago. Uh, Tom, maybe <laughs> <laughs> me? I would never do that. Rabble rouser. 
No, but Tom, Tom was right, of course. But Tom, go ahead. Tell your part of the story. Well, look where he lives. He lives in the town where they held the Boston Tea Party. I mean, he's a rabble rouser at his core, right? <laughs> well, I, I mean, to, to Sanjay's point, I mean, really what was happening was that we weren't allowed to focus on the bigger picture. We were focused very much, as Sanjay said, kind of down in the trenches, right? I yeah. mean, more focused on, uh, you know, what kind of products customers were purchasing. And it was frustrating for a couple of reasons. One was we weren't able to get people excited about the technologies. We were too focused on kind of what kind of products they were looking at. And it really was changing, and, and as Sanjay said, it was very, very frustrating to try to get people, <laughs> getting people motivated, and we were kind of having a, a really hard time. And I know Sanjay and I had talked about it and a bunch of others, and I think we, I think we got you a little charged that day, didn't we, Sanjay? Yes, yes, you got me. I knew it was there, but you guys got me over the edge, <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> You know, and, and really kind of what we were laid up was, you know, you guys need to, to figure out what we do. You know, if, if you want us to work, you know, with the community, if you want us to help, you know, work on the platform, help drive adoption, you know, you, you got to make it so that we can fill that role. And mm-hmm. a year and a half, it was a year and a half ago that uh, mm-hmm. Sanjay made the decision, and that's why, as I was saying earlier, I'm part of the East Region team now. So just to clarify, I mean, you guys are sort of saying what I think you're saying, but you basically people are, are very focused on the bottom line, on sales, on return for the time that you invest in uh, relationships with, you know, building relationships with the customers. They want people to, you know, like close the sale kind of thing, right? And you guys were, you know, uh, coming at this from we first, you know, our first order of business is to make sure the customer has a good experience with our product. Isn't that what you're talking about? I mean, if you look at it, you know, and, and certainly not to say anything bad about the bottom line, because ultimately, you know, we're all shareholders, right? We want the company to be successful. Right. But, you know, in the long term, yeah, that's you have key. to kind of look at what makes people happy. And technology people, and it's funny, because if you look at the people in evangelism, you know, we're not salespeople, we're not you know, building a product, you know, meaning we're not in Redmond, uh, you know, working with product groups, we're kind of everywhere. Yeah. I actually said uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think I told you this, Carl, that I think the, the best people in DPE kind of all have ADD. Yeah. We're, we're kind of all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it, it's kind of a very different way of working with people, but ultimately you got to do the right thing to make the customers happy. Right. And that's really what what DPE is about. It's about making sure that customers are happy and that in the long term they're going to continue to use the products and embed them more and kind of grow with it. Well, I I think you touched on that that keyword long term a couple of times in those in what you just said there. And that is that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's it's about overcoming, you know, the short term, what can I get this quarter out of out of, you know, our customers and how do we build a community that over the long term we we don't have to go go out and do one to one high pressure sales pitches and we're we're just going to create this community where where people can see that if they come into it they're going to have the support and the uh you know and and the help and and the resources from the community not just from the company and and uh, yes there's that and there's also I'd add, I'd add one more on top of that which is be focused on doing the right thing. Yeah. Because even if, in the, if, even if it is in the short term, there are some things that you just got to do it right. Yeah. Um, in the short term. I mean, uh, you guys, you guys were part of this, you know, Visual Studio 2005, you know, for, for the little guys, right? Yep. Sure. Um, yeah. Again, you know, Tom and his crew got me excited when I was, but <laughs> <laughs> I was out on the East Coast in, you know, earlier this year. I mean, that's where it came from. Yeah. Do we bring him out here so he can raise his blood pressure? <laughs> yeah, every time I meet with these guys, I mean, I tell you. Yeah. You know, they give me more do the right things and do the long terms, and it's just like. Yeah. But, and, you know, Carl, it's, it's important to understand, I think, that when you do the right thing for customers, it's not about, you know, it's, it's really not about whether you buy it, right? I mean, if you think about it in terms of, 
if you bought a car and you know you had a problem and you took it in and the dealership took care of it and they you know they took care of you you know you would go back right yeah so i Absolutely. mean what we're trying to do is build that and we build it through community you know we build it through influentials people like you know the regional directors and the mvps we build it through online and you know and, and it's kind of that give and take which is so important and let's face it tom i'm in in sanjay a lot of companies want to do that you know and they give a lot of lip service like you know we we have great customer relationships but you know the reality is totally different isn't it i mean cut the customer experience after you've bought any kind of product is hold please you know you, you know what i mean I, you just don't see that kind of real um after after sale or or you know in in what am I trying to say here? You know what I'm saying? A lot of companies want to do this. Well, especially when you're talking about something like software. Right. Software that's so amorphous where now what? What do I do? I bought the box. Now what do I do? I, I actually think there's two parts to it. There's one, which is empowerment. I mean, when you call a support center, you know, do the right thing only works in theory because they're not empowered to do it. Yeah. Okay. And then there's also footprint. Which I, it's my eternal, another frustration I should have mentioned is no matter how much we do, we still only reach about 30 to 40 percent of the total developer on the IT professional base. Hmm. So there's a majority of the people who still don't encounter us. Yeah. How do you do the right thing in that case? Right. Right? Sure. So, so it's, it's those two things empowerment at the edges and just access, reach. Yeah. Yeah, reach, whatever you want to call it. And right. that's why you don't see it consistently. And Tom, you know, the, being out in the field, you're dealing with guys like me, right, who, you know, I teach people programming. That's what I do. And we have a good relationship. I have a great relationship with you, my local Microsoft office. Patrick Hines, the regional, other regional director in New England, a, you know, mostly a security consulting company. but And, and it works out in a way that uh, I'm not sure – the pattern works everywhere else, um, the, you know, the kind of relationship we have. It's, it's kind of a, a different way to think if you're an, you know, a, a vendor like me or you're a speaker or you're a trainer or you're a consultant and you want to sort of tap into this community with your local Microsoft office. It, it's a different day today than it was, you know, even five years ago, don't you think? And what's oh, the secret? What's the secret sauce there, man? <laughs> the secret sauce is to, quite honestly, is to be available. Um, you know, it's it's funny because two things that I've always tried to do is, you know, give people my, my email um, as well as give them my cell phone. And that's kind of the fundamental thing, I think, that forges relationships, right, that people can't be afraid to contact us. Yeah. And the, the thing that frustrates me is when someone has a problem, or you know they're they're in question about something, and I run into them, you know, a month later, and they say, "Oh, you know, I was fighting with this," and it's like, "Well, why didn't you ask?" Right, <laughs> right. You know, and you kind of disarm people because it's like, "Well, do I you can want do that." Ask? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> right. Just ask. Yeah, and it 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 really is. I mean, I think. Before coming to Microsoft, I was, uh, you know, I, I had my own company like you guys, and Microsoft was kind of hard to approach, right? It's this big, you look sure. at this thing as a big beast, when in reality, hopefully people like myself and my, you know, my peers are putting faces on Microsoft, mm -hmm. and that becomes huge, right? Because it's, it's something that you can ask and hopefully get a response. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think access um, is absolutely right on. Sanjay P at Microsoft dot com. I encourage people <laughs> to send me email if they need something. Yeah, <laughs> well, right? you just gave it to about a million people, Sanjay. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. In fact, you know, it's available to more than a million people if you yeah. go onto the website. <laughs> so. Sure. That's a it's a great point. It, it, one of the one of the reasons that the regional director program has worked so well, I think, and I can speak to you as the you know person inside, is here's a little story. You know, I'm I'm teaching a class and somebody has a question about, 
ADO.net and SQL Server that I didn't know the answer to. So I said, hang on a second. And I pulled up my IM, right? Now, the regional directors, we pretty much have each other's IM. So you look at the IM list of a regional director, and their mouths are like hit the floor. They can't believe like all the names that they've seen in print and magazines and speakers and stuff. And, and you know, Bill Vaughn happens also to be a friend of mine. He's also a very, you know, he's an expert in what he does. And so I just IM'd him right there. And I said, hey, you got time for a quick question? Sure. And we answered the question. And, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff is is really, really powerful. Now, obviously, we don't abuse the power. We're not bugging each other all the time. But, you know, there, there, you can anyone listening to this podcast can find their local regional director. If they have a question, ask, even if you don't think that regional director has experience or expertise in the area that you need help with. Talk to your regional directors because they are plugged in and, and your local developer evangelist too. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons we put up things like Channel 9 where, you know, you can go ask the question. Yeah. And, you know, once we, once we have access or you have access to us, we'll try to do the right thing. Yeah. Now, we may still fail, and then you get in the question, or, you know, did we empower the people or not? But the really frustrating thing is that after five years, we're still only 30, 40% of the way through. Yeah. There's still a lot of developers to reach. Yep. You know, it's it's also interesting, too, because as Sanjay was saying, there's so many developers out there to reach, and we're constantly trying to figure out better ways to reach people. And it's always interesting, you know, to hear from people out there as to, you know, what kinds of things they're looking for from us. And that's one of the things I always encourage people is, as you know, Carl, to tell me kind of what, what do you need from us? Right. You know, and that's kind of the, the big give-get that we're always trying to ask for as well. Yeah. Now, Sanjay, you've been doing evangelism one form or another for a lot of years. You've got to have some tales of, you know, reaching some tough developers in a situation. I imagine, you know, talking, I've had a chance to talk to Vic a couple of times, and I know he's pretty crazy, too. So I imagine the two of you have been up to stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Got one um, to tell us? I think Channel 9 is a classic example. Um, no, we're talking about personal stories. Personal, yeah. Channel 9 is a personal story. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the stories told on Channel 9. I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, not at all. Um, so... We, we were struggling, really struggling with, um, you know, the big, bad Microsoft perception. And, um, you know, there's this guy, Len, Len Pryor, uh, who's now with Skype. Um, and he, 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 he started to kind of speculate that um, by moving away from our traditional brands, by kind of taking the discussion away from our technologies um, that we could, we could reach, um, you know, strange people, new people, right? Uh, people who cared about issues that, that we cared about, but we just had no way to, to connect with them. And so, um, uh, you know, basically I, I, I said, okay, here's 10 grand. <laughs> Go figure out what you want to do with it. And, you know, that, that is one where I think it was the best decision I ever made personally. Just getting out of the way. Was letting the Channel Land guys go to it? Just, just let the guys go do it. And if there's, there's a few things. There's another one called ISV Buddy, um, where, it, you know, cut a long story short, it's a matchmaking program that allows people on the outside to buddy up with people on inside of Microsoft. Um, and, you know, we've got Steve, you know, with the buddy. I've got a buddy. Um, and again, you know, we did that with about 10 grand to start off with one person. There's now 3000 people on it who can just call up their buddy anytime they want, ask them any question about anything. And, you know, their buddy will figure it out for them. Most of the, 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 the most satisfying, satisfying things in the past five years, because unfortunately when I manage, you know, lots and lots of people, um, you know, it's very different than being an individual evangelist. But the most satisfying thing in the last five years has been letting people take risk. Yeah. And Channel 9, ISV Buddy, you know, uh, what, you know the stuff that, that Tom does, it's about, it's about letting 
letting people take risk. And it's, cool. it's true, and to, to, to kind of continue what Sanjay was saying, the biggest thing that he's empowered me in the field, and it's, it's funny, is he's allowed me to kind of do the things that we need to do. Right, Carl? I know you, yeah. you had a huge impact, for example, on things like code camps. Well, Sanjay empowered mm-hmm. me to start creating those. Yeah. You know, I mean, all the things that we're trying, you know, Sanjay's really kind of pushed, pushed us to come up with these. You know, mm-hmm. which is really kind of a, it, it makes it a great position to be in. Mm. Yeah, it, it kind of also makes me sad you asked this question because it just brings home to me that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a manager. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, you see, you need to be an ISV buddy for somebody, right? I am. I have one. My, my buddy is a, is a Canadian company called Nakisa. Oh, cool. Neat. Uh, it's 5 million Canadian. And yeah, we keep in touch. That's great. That well, awesome. there, there's your touch to the field, right? What you, you get a chance to do those things. Yep. Who came up with the ISV buddy thing? Um, Eric Rudder, actually. Oh, cool. Um, a great it, idea. You know, it's kind of one of those things where we're like, oh, you know, there's got to be a better way to get more more relationships. You know, yeah. channel nine scales, information scales, relationships don't. Right, and then you know, and one you know, we our one on ones, we just kind of, you know, talk about business for like two minutes, and then we talk about unrelated stuff. Right, just came out of one of those. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Sanjay, where do you see what's the coming up for DP? I mean, we know November seventh is the big day for for the launch, but what's in the future for evangelism at Microsoft? Um, you know, we've only scra- I mean. I think I made one point already, which is we've only gotten 30, 40% of the way there. So there's just a lot more places we need to be at. But probably more um, more interesting is we've only scratched the, the tip of the surface here. And what I mean by that is we've, we've really been focused on infrastructure for the past five years. Mm-hmm. Um, really, web services haven't benefited millions of, hundreds of millions of users. Um, .NET hasn't uh, really gotten in front of, you know, a billion people. And so I think what's next for DPE is how do you bring users and consumers together with the technology, which is now, you know, in enterprises, in ISV solutions. How do you really make, you know, this, this technology useful for, day, you know, for day-to-day use? Yeah. And with Longhorn, with Office 12, um, as well as the next generations of you know Visual Studio and, and, and SQL and Windows Server, I think that's an opportunity that that remains to be taken. Just uh, how critical do you think it is to get the VB6 developers out there who have not moved to .NET yet, those millions of developers, on board this year? Yeah, you know every year we have an annual plan, um, and every year we pick just a small number of things to. To really just go push on this year, we picked VB6 to VB.net, and yeah. finally, we actually have a solution that might be, you know, palatable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that puts us in a better space than we were two years ago. I think so. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah. So uh, VB6 to VB.net is a very high priority. I mean, it's my top. It's one of the top six measurements of the organization's success this year. So, wow. so. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of energy. It reminds me of trying to get people moving off of VB3 up to VB5 and VB6. It was the same thing. They just weren't ready to let go. It took them a while to finally move on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this this has been both a structural thing, you know, because we just didn't have the right things in the product, um, as well as as well as an evangelism thing. But I think we're we're lined up now. You said that uh, this is one of the top six things on your to do list. What are the other five priorities? Let me let me. <laughs> Make sure I got it right here. Um, we just started. We just starting the um, the year next um, next week. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> thank goodness, isn't it today? Thank goodness. Um, the new so year here, starts here today. Um, getting express queues out because I think it it uh, yes it, it gets to a whole new audience. Right. By the People way, great stuff. Great stuff. Pardon? Excellent. I, I, I actually, one of the first things I did was check out VB Express and the sort of the yep. tutorials and the, the educational value, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. 
So that's that's one. VB6 to VB.net is two. Mm-hmm. Um, early adoption of Longhorn and Office 12 mm-hmm. is three. Um, we're looking at VSTS, up, of course, is, is pretty, I mean, it's a whole new business, so we can't take our eye off that ball. Mm-hmm. Um, ISVs um, is another very big priority. Mm-hmm. And here's one that is very kind of, may not be, in, maybe may even be counterintuitive, but um, active site share on Windows. Mm. Website share. Active on site share? And uh, that's, it's, it's, it's really, that's just starting to scratch the surface on consumer websites. What exactly do you mean, active site share? Do you mean like a wiki kind of interactive no, no, websites? If you look at, the area um, where we haven't been as successful as, as in many others in terms of Windows Server adoption, it's been with the high-traffic websites. If okay. you look at the Netcraft numbers, okay, right? Where, you know, you could argue that Apache's kicking our butt, mm-hmm. right? Um, and part of it is we haven't focused on it, um, and part of it is, you know, we just had um, other, other more pressing priorities. But this year, I mean, to bring together the how, how how many users can we impact, you know, with our with our infrastructure and technology, um, we've decided that it, it's probably worthwhile um, thinking through the problem of of why the large websites are not on our platform and mm-hmm. what do we need to do to 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 help them do better with our stuff. And I, and I note that IIS seven is eighteen months away, so this is good timing for bringing a new product to market. Yep, mm. I mean, there's there's lots of creative stuff that's going to come out. I mean, ASP.NET two point is great. Uh, you probably just saw the um, Atlas uh, announcement around AJAX. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, IIS seven, IE seven, the RSS stuff. I think we're going to start to um, get our own back in the web space, and I, I think of it as a three year plan, mm-hmm. um, three-year horizon, so, so the long-term view. Um, you, you could argue it needs to be longer than that, of course. Um, but this is this, this year, uh, we've got to go figure this one out. I really like this mix of goals. There's yeah. some new new age stuff like Longhorn. There's the stuff just about the ship like VSTS. And there's old market stuff like getting those other web folks in play. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nice blend. A little bit of everybody is going to be paid attention to in the evangelism space. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's not even including um, you know things like BizTalk, you know, which we're of course going to to do and Active Directory apps. But you know, these are the top six. That's great. What are your uh, goals for specifically for VSTS, the team system? Um, with VSTS, that is one where we have. I mean, we've got about a hundred. Um, I think it's about a hundred people um, who are actually salespeople in addition to the evangelists. Who, who actually sell um, our tools, products. Um, and for that, it, it is a revenue goal. Okay. And, um, you know, we, it, it's interesting. We, um, you know, Visual Studio, after all these years, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice business. I mean, it isn't our, our, you know, growth engine or, you know, we're not really, um, you know, driving great deal of profitability through it. Um, but VSTS has opened up, you know, 50% additional revenue for us. Wow, and the reason I say fifty percent is um, because in, it's in that space people are spend, you know are willing to pay lots and lots of money. Now, when right? you say for yeah. us, Pardon? I mean do you, when you say for us, fifty percent for us, do you mean Microsoft with for a capital Microsoft, M? Yeah. Okay, and, not just um, your... so for us. Um, you know that's a nice little revenue upside, but the value that's I think huge. we bring to the market is. You know, you can do the the enterprise class development for a fraction of the cost, and and also allowing smaller teams to get enterprise class management of their projects Correct. as well. And I think the opportunities of VSTS for guys like us in the third party space is new training, new consulting, new methodology, a whole new level of focus on stuff like CMM and agile development methods. That stuff's going to get a lot more credibility than Microsoft's bringing an offering to the table in the tool suite these people already own. Right. And, you know, I, I happen to know that, um, being an RD, that the regional directors helped out Microsoft quite a lot in this last round of, uh, of pricing uh, for VSTS. Can we say that? Absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, listen, you guys, we did this because of people like Tom and because of, you know, the RDs. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a classic example of do the right thing in the short term. Right. So the yeah. initial wave of pricing came out and a whole bunch of great feedback came out of the regional director list and, uh, and we were actually very instrumental in help shaping the next the the next version of the pricing policy. It was great well, stuff. Well, the solution was so smart, creating that new skew for small business so that the teams of five and six have an answer in the in VSTS. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the product groups, I mean, did a, did a very nice, I mean, such, so late in the cycle, they went back and decided to do some product stuff to make it happen. That was That was cool. Yeah. So would you recommend uh, sort of the, the philosophy of evangelism for just about any company? Do you have to be a Microsoft to, to start thinking about the, you know, the long-term uh, evangelist position? No. I mean, as I said, if, if, if you care about something, you should evangelize it. Yeah. And it could be about you know, um, alternative sources of energy. It could be about technology. It could be about... Um, yeah, it could literally be about the, the anything. So, so anybody who's listening to this obviously is working for a, a company. You might want to think about that. You know, think about hey, why don't we spend a little money on on uh, you know fostering a community around what we do to you know to maybe pick out some of our best customers and you know show them a little love and uh, you know what I'm saying. This is a uh, this is good stuff. And here's the wonderful thing: it's not one way, right? Because if you sure. have a community, the chances are you'll figure out how to keep your company alive longer, grow faster, do the right things. Right. Because you know it's funny because just when you foster communities, they give you feedback on yep. your products, yeah. and that's yep. and that's the thing that you know when you say, "Well, this I don't like this," and I pass that up that that becomes something that, you know, we can't guarantee it's going to have an effect, but if you hear it enough, it becomes a part of the culture. Yeah. And it is something that affects us. Yeah, I think you hit on the word. Evangelism is not an activity, it's a culture. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. You know, if you think about it as an activity, you won't end up, you know, giving, giving the people um, the power to change, and you won't give people the power to do the right thing. And, this is a cultural transformation that we're after. I, 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 sometimes, sometimes I joke that what I really want to do is to get everybody at Microsoft to be an evangelist, and you know, then my work will be done. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit were it that easy, right? Right. I mean, if you do that, I mean, that, that's when you change the culture. Sure. We're a long way from that, but you know, we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good luck. <laughs> and, uh, well, Sanjay, you have any last-minute words of wisdom to impart on our listeners before we wrap it up here? May the force be with you. All right. <laughs> well said. Well, thank you very much for coming on .NET Rocks and, you know, bringing a little class to our otherwise lousy program. And I'd like to uh, thank Jeff Maciolik in the sound room, Richard Campbell in Vancouver, Tom Robbins out there in Boston, and, of course, Sanjay, what can I say? It was a great, great uh, experience for me. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.